Amen. Um, just so you guys know, I cried through that entire worship, so it should be a great night. Tonight we are finishing the last of our uh, five-part series of Five Things That Grow Your Faith, which I've said numerous times, it literally is one of my favorite studies. It's so important because God wants our faith to be big. God wants our faith to be big and bold and strong and confident in him so that our faith is not easily shaken, that it's not easily shaken. And usually there are five things that he uses to grow our faith. It's a theme in everybody's faith story. And you might be sitting here tonight thinking, what, I don't have a faith story, I don't, I don't even have a story. I don't know what you're talking about. You know what, that's okay. Because maybe you can still see after, after going over some of the things tonight that God still has a hand in these areas of your life. That there's a God who knows your name and he wants to have a story with you. So let's refresh our memory because I'm letting you know, I'm gonna be asking you about our five Ps. So you need to write them on your hand, you could cheat a little bit, that's fine. It's church, it's okay. So the first one, Jack did it a couple weeks ago, it's practical teaching. God uses practical teaching to grow our faith. Teaching that unpacks biblical truth for you, that gives you that aha moment, that moves you to next steps. We always try to move you to next steps here at Elements. Number two, anybody remember? I did it, I did it. Woohoo! Providential relationships. My other favorite, putting ourselves in environments to be open and ready for God to use providential relationships to grow our faith or for you to be a providential relationship to help someone else grow their faith. And the third one, Jack talked about it. Pri look at you guys. I know in you're louder than this. Private disciplines. It's interactive church. It's okay. Private disciplines. Nobody likes that word discipline. Mm -mm. Unless you're Ryan and you like being in the gym. Nobody likes the word discipline. But the disciplines of growing your faith, of reading your Bible, of memorizing scripture, of fasting, of worshiping, praying, meditating on God's word, pri private disciplines. Last week, Brian talked about the fourth one. Personal ministry, none of you guys are here. Okay, great. Personal ministry. God uses personal ministry to grow your faith. That's seeing a need, like Chris talked about today, seeing a need, filling it even when you feel not equipped, not ready, you don't have the time. And the last one that we're gonna talk about tonight is pivotal circumstances. In a minute, we're gonna watch a video about people who went through some pretty, piv uh, pretty intense pivotal circumstances. Now I'm gonna get it all stuck on those peas. But um, so as we watch this video, I just want you to sit in this and see the story of a God's glory shining through. Okay, whenever, you, whenever you're ready, introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, I'm Lisa Al Joseph. And um, my pivotal circumstance happened when I lived in New York City in 2001. I'd recently moved there and uh, I was looking for a job. And my roommate at the time, um, her friend worked at the restaurant called Windows on the World, which was at the top of the World Trade Center. And he 
you know, got me in and I had my interview, I had my second interview and everything. And, you know, I pretty much had the job and it was just, you know, a matter of me starting and they showed me where I was going to sit, where my office was going to be and everything like that. And before you know it, they called back and they said they were going to go with somebody else. And I was so angry at God because this was my dream job. And, you know, it was, you know, a hookup. It's who you know. And so I, you know, I had first interview, second interview, and they showed me everything. I was introduced to people. And then all of a sudden, you know, no job. And I was just so angry at God. And of course, fast forward a few months later, and September 11th happened. And almost nobody made it out of windows of the world. So I realized that I was spared. And even sometimes when I, you know, act bratty and I pray for something, it doesn't happen. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just reminds me, you know, September 11th, I know what happened. I know what's going to happen. And even though you may not understand, you just have to trust me. My pivotal circumstance was when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. My divorce. After 23 years of marriage, my husband told me he wanted a divorce. Having a special needs child, my husband and I suffered from infertility for about five years. I lost the son, uh, Joshua, five years ago. Our son, Parker, was 16 and he had a car accident and died. When I was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm about a year ago. Being diagnosed with colon cancer. Going through uh, uh, my wife's cancer with her. I was told I had to have open heart surgery immediately. I've got an x-ray here that shows that lymphoma right underneath my right clavicle. It was at the end of a nine-month relationship. The birth of one of our four children. She has a diagnosis of having Down syndrome. One of them in my life happened this summer when I went on a missions trip to Peru. When my brother got into a car accident um, when I was 10, and I saw the whole accident happen. On August 6th, on the way to a meeting, I received a call. And the call went something like this. Uh, Due to a strategic reorganization, your services after 10 years are no longer needed. The manager of the base bank at the base in Lubbock, Texas, gave me a call and said he wanted to take me to lunch. And I'm thinking to myself, why does this guy want to take me to lunch? And my pivotal circumstance was when um, I was 19 years old and chose to have an abortion. And I lost my hair at the age of 30. My little son did and brought me outside and said, look up in the sky. And up in the sky, there was a plane sky riding. You plus God equals happiness. Um, and it was like it was just directly to me. It was almost like a burning bush moment. There was a guy who came in my life about 10 years ago and told me about this church. And all of that was the hand of God that I've seen every every day. Uh, and God's faithfulness is even seen in my hair coming back. It was just such a personal time for me to really know who God is. And what at one point tested my faith has become an item that has strengthened it. And from that day, I just gave everything up to him and asked him to forgive me. Knowing that I'll see Joshua again uh, gives us the the faith and the courage and uh, the hope to go on. God has entered in my life in a new way. It wasn't that I didn't believe, but now it was practical and now it was real. And uh, shortly thereafter, in a church, in a church service, um, uh, I responded to an invitation to Christ and and invited Jesus into my life. That's my story. Uh, That's my story. That's my pivotal circumstance. Wow. Over and over and over again, we hear 
people walking through the most unimaginable. I've seen that five times and I still get tears in my eyes. The most unimaginable circumstances. And they come out on the other side with a faith that is rock solid, unshakable. Where if it was me, I don't know, I think I might hide under uh, my bed and not wanna come out. A lot of times when you hear people's faith story, it starts with something like, out of the blue, I got a phone call. Out of the blue, my husband said blah, blah, blah. You don't usually hear somebody's faith story without them mentioning somehow God has intervened in a circumstance that no one would sign up for. None of those people would have said, me, me, me. I I want that one. I wouldn't want to go through that again, but my faith grew. In the middle of the circumstances, my faith grew. It's a defining moment. A time where God seems so far away, but now that I've gone through it, I see what he was trying to do with my faith. That now the, the, the stories in the Bible of faith and stuff, they're real, they're personal. That's what pivotal circumstances do. 21 years ago, this is what happened to me. God met me at my darkest, one of my darkest, darkest hours. I'd just gotten into a car accident. I was, had a lot of neck and back injuries. I was suffering from a lot of pain from that. My grandma had passed away. My best friend had just passed away about a two years before that in a car accident. My mom um, had started to really um, battle with some, some mental illness. My dad had started drinking again after some sobriety. My sister had gone off the deep end after all of this. I'd just gotten out of an abusive relationship. My family was so uncertain. My future was so uncertain. My self-worth was so uncertain. It was dark times. And then someone invited my sister and I to church. And my sister bullied me and made me go. And so we we went. I don't know why. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to be there. And that person inviting us to church us showing up, we started the next 21 years of these five things, growing my faith so that I can stand before you now and tell you my faith story. That's what's so amazing. That's what's so amazing. It starts with a conversation, an invite, an ask. Circumstances can either be positive, it could be a marriage, a birth of a child, a missions trip, they talked about that. Or negative, fill in the blank with all the negative we hear. And most often or not, it's the negative that is really gets our attention. It's the negative. Those type of circumstances that God uses to invite us into a deeper relationship with him because our faith would not grow in any other way. You know, before something like this happens, maybe you prayed when you're driving, dear God, help me not to kill nobody. And now this circumstances, you're just, you're on your knees sobbing, crying out, God, I don't even know if I can get through the day. Or before you knew maybe John 3, 16 or a verse here or there, 
And now because of the circumstance, you crave God's word. You can't get enough of it. That's what certain, some of the pivotal circumstances can do. It's the big, negative, unexpected circumstances that can grow our faith in a way that would never happen any other way. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, puts it this way in his book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's his megaphone. It's not accidental that, we, that God uses negative circumstances. It's, it's, it's the very kind of circumstances or these things that also have the t- potential to turn us away from God. But if we will allow him, if we will allow God to leverage these painful negative things in our life, we will have a deeper, more personal relationship with him that again, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna say a lot of things over and over that would not happen any other way. For God to do something in us, not to us. It's so easy to say, why me, God? Why are you doing this to me? The illustration that I'm gonna use tonight is in John 11, and it's one through 44. Don't freak out, we're not gonna read all of those verses. I'm gonna highlight some of the key verses, but I gotta be upfront with you. This story is uncomfortable. Um, I'm letting you know I personally struggle with it. In fact, it might invite more questions when you leave here. And that's what you, you go ask Jack and Brian. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm telling you, I'm struggling with them. And so let me give you a little background. Mary and Martha, who are good friends of Jesus, Mary's the one who washed Jesus' feet with perfume and hair, and Martha, his sister, they're going to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, or they sent someone to go say, to tell Jesus that the one you love is sick. And it was their brother Lazarus. There was their brother Lazarus. And Jesus says, you know, because he doesn't seem to freak out about much, he says, just relax. This sickness is not gonna end in death. It'll bring God glory. But with this statement, with this statement, Jesus creates a new category. He creates the category that sickness and illness is used many times to bring God's glory. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? That, in fact, that just stinks. Because if we're gonna sign up to bring God's glory, we wanna sign up for the, 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 the winning Super Bowl and we could go, oh, I give God the glory. Or we wanna you know, go build a church in Africa in his name. That's the kind of glory we, you know, where I got a big promotion and praise Jesus, it's all about him. No one signs up for the sickness, illness, death bring God glory categories. And in verse five, he goes on to talk about that, that Jesus knew this family. He'd been to their house. He'd eaten with them. This is somebody that he was really close to. So you'd expect him to be like, oh, Lazarus six. I'm sick. I'm going to go help him. But he does the opposite. He just stays where he's at. You felt that sometimes, haven't you? 
you know, you're struggling and you're like, God, heal me. God, help my marriage. Fix my kids. They're broken. Help me get this promotion. Do, I'll, I'll be a missionary. I'll become a monk. God, just help me. And a lot of times he's, he kind of just is silent and you feel like he's not even listening. Two days they waited. Two days they waited. And then Jesus says, hey, we gotta go back to Judea. Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples, the 12 guys that followed him around, he, they said, uh, time out, Jesus. Uh, we're not gonna go back to Judea because that place is hostile. Last time we were there, they tried to stone us. We're gonna need you to do that whole healing from afar thing because, I mean, you are Jesus. You've done it when people just touch your garments. We're not going back there. We don't recommend it. So go, let's, we're gonna pick up in verse 11. And so I can't, I'm gonna apologize, I can't read out of my Bible because overnight the words have gotten smaller. I don't know what happened, <laughs> so uh, I don't know how that happened. So in John 11, 11 through 12, and he said, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. What they're saying right here, Lord, he's just asleep. We don't have to go to Judea. He's gonna get better. He's gonna wake up. Remember, hostile. Those people are hostile. They tried to stone us last time. And in verse 14 through 16, Jesus, he looks at his 12 disciples and he's saying, you know, guys, I'm leaving you guys in charge of spreading Christianity over the entire kingdom. So I'm gonna break this down for you. And Jesus says, so he told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? And then at the bottom of the 16, Thomas says, well, then let's just go and die with him. Because Thomas, Thomas has a little, he's Debbie Doubter. And he knows that if they go back to Judea, that they're just gonna die with him. So now the disciples are gearing up to, to, to just go die. And the important part that I want you guys to hear is when he said, for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. What do you mean for my sake? Well, Lazarus is dead. Maybe it was for his sake. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. It's like it seems like he's saying, I'm kind of glad that we're going through this. I'm kind of glad that our faith is being tested. I'm kind of glad that Mary and Martha don't understand what's going on. I'm kind of glad that there's mystery surrounding all of this because I have something so much bigger, so much more amazing that over arches that I'm willing to let one of my loved ones die and his sisters be broken hearted because that's how important this lesson is that I'm about ready to teach you for your sake I was glad that I wasn't there so that these are those are two little words but it's it's big so that He's saying the reason, the purpose, why I do all of this is, you wanna know why all this stuff happened? 
so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Are you telling me that pain and suffering and death is about my belief and that's more important than healing? Yeah, I am. Wait a minute, right? I told you this is gonna be uncomfortable. I know faith is important, right? I get that. But you're gonna allow someone that you love, you've been in his home, and you, you, you're good friends with his sisters, and, and you're gonna allow them to be brokenhearted? Also, because this is about our faith? Yeah, it is. This is hard to believe, right? That God would allow something like this to happen? You might have even have heard, or maybe even said yourself, you know, I kinda like that Christianity thing, but the one thing that I really struggle with is that God allows blank. Fill in with all the horrible, terrible things and the pain and suffering going on in the world. That God allows blank. We struggle with that, don't we? This is a really dramatic moment in Jesus' life. This is a really dramatic moment for the disciples. This is too severe to make up. I mean, if we were gonna be making up the Bible, we probably would take this story out. That's why this is so important. Jesus is saying, guys, this is bigger than just Lazarus. I want you to have a big, bold, audacious faith. I want your, your faith to be unshakable. We're gonna skip down to verses 21 through 24. 21 through 24. I'm gonna go ahead and try. I'm telling you, I don't know what happened. It was overnight. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha's kind of going to come at Jesus right here. He's saying, Lord, where were you? Why didn't you show up? What happened? I mean, you've even healed a Roman centurion, which was one of the most despised people on earth to the Jews. But you're not going to come and heal my brother? And then she says, but, you know, I, I'm going to have faith that God really still wants to give us whatever we ask for. And Jesus says, Lazarus is going to rise again. And, he, and she kind of says, I know in the last day he will, he will be resurrected. But I want you, for those of you who believe that Jesus was a good teacher or a prophet and, and not the son of God, hold on for the next verse in verse John eleven twenty five, because he's, he shows right now that this is more than, than any of that. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. 
He says, he just lays it down right there. It's not something he has said before. That's not something you say if you can't back it up. Jesus says, I am a teacher, but it's bigger than that. I could heal your brother, but it's bigger than that. I could have went immediately, but it's bigger than that. It's so big that people a hundred, no, even a thousands of years later will believe in me. That's how big this lesson is. Whoever believes in me, who trusts me, I want you to believe more of me. Your faith is that important to me. Your faith is that important to me. And again, you might be thinking, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm letting you guys know I'm not either. I struggle with why Charles Manson is 81 and he's in prison and he's alive still, but the mom of three dies at 38 years old of cancer. I struggle with that. It doesn't seem fair. I don't understand how God works sometimes. But that's how important our faith is to him. In verses 40 through 42, in verses 40 through 42, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you and that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. That's crazy. So when, after he goes and he, he's, he's praying right before he goes to heal Lazarus, and he's praying to God out loud, and he's saying, he, it shows the connection, you know, that God and Jesus, they, they're tight. Like, God, he's God's son. But he's saying this prayer out loud so that the people around will believe. That's how important our faith is to him. That any doubts that he is the life and the resurrection is put to rest right here, right now, in this story. He simply didn't just leverage these painful circumstances with Lazarus and his sisters. In this case, he actually caused it. In this case, he actually caused it. That is uncomfortable. But like anything in the, in the five things to grow our faith, what works for you can also work against you. Because if you don't let God in and leverage these circumstances in your life, it can completely tear down your faith. It completely tear down your faith. Do you know what the main difference is of people who go through some crazy stuff, some pivotal circumstances, and they go closer to Jesus rather than away from Jesus? The main thing is the people they surround themselves with. The people they surround themselves with. Parents are like, I've always told my kids who they hang out with makes a difference. You've all heard of these unimaginable, horrible stories of people who just crazy things have happened to them. 
And you, they said, you know what, I don't trust God anymore. And now they run the opposite way. The difference is the people they surround them, a community to help them give context to some of this, this, this that they're going through. To interpret the circumstances just a little bit differently. When people go through tragic circumstances and they have this kind of community of faith, not people who are going to smooth things over with, uh, you know, smooth things over and like make God look better than he, than he is, or, or, you know, just kind of make it all sound better. God doesn't need that. That's not the goal. That's not what he wants. But the type of community that, give con- that gives context to these kind of tragic circumstances, and when people come out on the other side, they can see God's glory. That's what community is for. But separated from that kind of environment, when you feel isolated and, and you can't see God and you can't hear God and you don't have a community around you to help you with their testimonies, to help you remember the cross, to help you remember that God is faithful no matter what, it's easily to start going through one of these circumstances and run the opposite direction. The same pain that grows your faith has the potential to destroy it. The community doesn't get around you and and surround you to to give excuses for God, to to put it all together and tie it up in a pretty little bow. We we do that as Christians a lot. Say those cliches. Mm. But pain is not new. Your pain is not new, although personal. Pain is not an argument against God. Tragedy isn't proof of against anything. That's not. Pain and tragedy are part of the story. Pain and tragedy are part of the story. That's uncomfortable. But it shows how circumstances and faith, how they interconnect. How God wants your faith to be big no matter what. An unshakable faith. Not because of God, but because of the sinful and broken world we live in. Because of the sinful and broken world we live in. Philip Yancey, one of my favorite authors, says it this way. There's only one thing worse in the world than disappointment with God. It's disappointment without having God. Could you imagine? All of us in moments in our times of our lives have felt disappointed in God. At times, 21 years ago, I was so angry that if even he did exist, then where the heck was he? when this, 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 this happened. Where was he? And it's okay to be disappointed in God within the context that you still trust him anyway because God is who he says he is and he is faithful and he will never leave or forsake you. We need to be surrounded by a community that we're not gonna try to explain your pain away. We're not gonna even try to give meaning or purpose to it. 
Because I have heard some stories. There's, I don't understand. There cannot be any meaning or purpose. But you can still believe and still trust that God is in control. That God is who he says he is. And that every tragedy he can use for good and to bring him glory. Every tragedy. That the pain and suffering is not the exception to the rule. It's part of the story. And Jesus was very acquainted with pain and suffering. It's not like he doesn't know. When you feel like God's still doing something to you, it's gonna be easy to, to lose your faith. When you can try to look at the context of God is trying to do something in you so he can do something through you, that's when your faith grows bigger. And it's, it's hard. And it might take weeks. And it might take months. And it could even take years to come to that point in your life in your faith. But at the end, when, you're, when you walk through that, no matter how long it takes, and you can say, I still believe. I still believe. That's big faith. If you're right now in, one of, in the middle of one of those circumstances right now, let us pray with you. Let this be part of your prayer too. God, I need a sign from you. I need to know you're in this because right now I'm barely hanging on and I need you. Cry out to him. He is there even if you can't feel him. He is there. Tell him you need to see him. You need to see him in these circumstances. Because at the end of the day, he's a God who loves you and knows your name and has a plan for your life. And he's, your faith is so important to him. So important to him that he cares so much to grow your faith, even when it's uncomfortable. You might still be thinking, it's not fair. That doesn't sound good. And I urge you, I urge you to think of the cross. Was the cross fair? He never sinned. He never did anything. Do you think that was pain and suffering? Was the cross fair? That's what perfect love looks like. So instead of asking, this isn't fair or why me? Cry out to God. What, what do you want? I ask it all the time, what do you want from me? God knows pain. He so knows pain. But it's bigger than that. Our faith, my faith, your faith is that important to him. So, so what do we do with all of this? Remember I told you, go ask Jack and Brian. That's what we do. 
Next steps. First step, get on your knees, cry out to him. Make him real and personal. If you don't know him yet and you're sitting here tonight, don't wait one more day until you do know him. It's too important. You are too important. And if you do know him and you're struggling because you want to go away from him because you're kind of feeling like you don't trust him, you better get that, surround yourself with a community that can say, hey, you got to believe that this is the truth. We, we got to stay together. We got to stick together on this. God is God. He is who he says he is. He is faithful. He will never leave and forsake you. You cannot do this by yourself. You cannot do this by yourself. got to take next steps towards him. Also, let's unpack our faith story. Those five things, if you haven't been um, through all of them, they're online, you can go through them. There's a next step at the end of each and every one of those slides. What is going to be your next step? I'm telling you, start avoiding me because I'm going to be asking, where are you going? What's your next step? I'm going to go ahead and show you some of my, how I kind of did my faith story. I wrote it out, and it's, it's really important. The first one is practical teachings. Make a timeline. Figure out where you see, have seen practical teachings. Hopefully one of them is at Elements. So when I went back to church, it's the first time I heard teaching that was like, ah, that makes sense. Youth Specialties Conference. We, Brian took me to a Youth Specialty Conference that just blew my mind. I went to a mom's class when my kids were little for four years. Needed a lot of help, but same thing over and over. Um, where I learned practical teaching, the Global Leadership Summit every year. Those are people that are the top of their game. And it, I mean, that practical teaching blew my mind. The next one. Providential relationships. Start going through the people that you know God has put into your life. I've got Brian and Daniel, relationships at Emmanuel, relationships at Fellowship Bible, relationships at Pantano, relationships at Elements. I could list most of your names in here. We just couldn't fit it all on the slide. Start going over those relationships for a few things. One, you need to thank God. And two, how about you go talk to that person? Who are the relationships in your life that have moved you closer to Jesus? And you know what? Go ahead and add on who are the relationships in your life that pushed you farther away from Jesus? Because you need to be aware of those too and not fall trapped to that again. The next one, private disciplines. I've, you know, started praying and reading the Bible, going to Bible studies, on there also blogging and journaling. All through my faith, the minute that I stop practicing my private disciplines, I can feel being away from him. And this is hard. When I first started reading the Bible, I thought it was in a foreign language. I was like, what? what are you, I, this doesn't even make sense to me. But you get into Bible studies and you have other people help you unpack it. And the more you do it, the more God becomes real to you. And the fourth one, personal ministry. So many of these started helping with youth. I'd been a Christian five weeks, and they said, hey, can you teach youth on Wednesday nights? Oh, sure. What do you want me to talk about? Sex? <laughs> I did. I showed up. I hope I didn't ruin those children for life. 
So many things. We started the refuge center. We did Bible study in the mall for four years. I wasn't equipped. Brian wasn't equipped. Mentored teenagers and college students in our home. Taught Bible studies. Helped Brian start elements. Holy moly, this is a personal ministry. Everything about elements is personal. The next one, pivotal circumstances. I had to put this on its own page. So many things. The death of my grandma and Carrie, car accidents. We left our first church and it was not, not a comfortable situation. Supporting ourselves as missionaries for a few years. Whoo, that was a big faith grower. The birth of our kids, miscarriage, issues with my parents, Lawson's health issues. All of those things on there. Moving to Catalina, again, starting elements. These were all pivotal circumstances. And many of these, you guys, they were painful. They were extremely painful. But my faith grew in a way that it never would have happened without each and every one of these. Take the time and be intentional and write out your story. Try to see themes in your life that God is saying. I know your name and I love you and I want a story with you and your faith is so important to me. It's so important to me that I'm gonna use these five things to help you grow it if you will allow me to do that. That's what God is saying. Elements, we all have a choice. Do you wanna just skim with your relationship and your faith like this? Or do you wanna grow your faith big? It's so, it's that important. It's that big. After prayer, we do communion a, different, a little bit different way here. Their communion is up front and on the sides. If you, if you want to, you can take it. If you don't, you can sit in your seat. But as we go into this time of music and this time of prayer and this communion with God, this conversation with God, I ask that you cry out. If you need to get on your knees and your knees still work at this point in your life, get down on them. Because it's that important. It's that important. Dear Heavenly Father, I just gotta be honest with you, I struggle. I struggle with this story. There's so many stinky, terrible, unimaginable things in this world, Lord, that I, I just don't even understand and it just doesn't even seem fair. And Lord, we cry out to you. We cry out to you that you will show us what, that you're here, that you care, that you are who you say you are. And Lord, that if we're in the middle of one of these pivotal circumstances that are so hard, Lord, give us people to walk that journey with us so that we're not alone and we're not isolated. 
Lord, thank you so much for your son on the cross. Thank you for understanding that pain and suffering, it's, it's really hard and we're not equipped to go through it. But, but you promise, you promise you will never leave and forsake us. Lord, you're an amazing God. And we just lift up all these burdens that we're going through right now to you. In your name I pray, amen.